welcome to episode 190 of Friendly Film, where we bring the latest movie news and review the biggest new release, which this week is The Farewell. As always, I'm your host, Cooper Hood, once again joined by Josh Straley. Welcome to fall. Yeah. Brings lots of things, leaves falling, mm-hmm. and it's fall. Beyond that, the fall movie season, and beyond that, the football season. That's right. And beyond that... The basketball season yeah further a little bit of ways but yeah it's and coming further than that but not as far hockey yeah not mm. much of a hockey guy is there a winter movie season uh why do we call it the fall movie season because i don't know it starts now in the fall technically with like festivals and stuff but really i guess it is more the winter season for us regular folks <laughs> that's true Yes. Because it carries us, it's, because you can't say it's the fall season from the first week of September till the second week of February. It's like, well, we just skipped all past winter. <laughs> we do skip all past winter. We skip all of spring too. Yeah. There, there is a spring season. Just nobody talks about it. But that's it's festival really, season. It's re- it's the, yeah, it's the preemptive festival season, but also the, well, is this actually summer season now? Because like Fast and Furious <laughs> movies are coming out in March and stuff. <laughs> right. Oh, that's right. That's when the new one's coming out, right? Uh, I don't know. If the, is one coming out next year? Uh, no, that's not right. I can't remember. I can't really remember. I mean, I know Fast 9 is filming right now. Mm-hmm. Vin Diesel posts about it all the time, but like, I can't remember if it actually comes out next year or not. Me neither. But when we find out, if we remember about this movie, we'll tweet about it on Twitter where you tweet and you can follow us on there at Friends and Film. But if you're looking for reviews of movies like Fast and Furious or Fast and Furious Presents Hobbs and Shaw, you can find those on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. But if you can, on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review us. That will ultimately help rank us, and then we can find more friends of the show. Yeah, and if you are listening to this on the day it drops, then, you know, it's Labor Day, so you're with the family, you're maybe with friends, you know. Just spread around the friends of a podcast. That's or the way to do it. Steal their phone and just yeah. By their way, just subscribe to the just subscribe <laughs> to us on their devices. They'll be like, "What? Why do I keep getting notifications from my podcast feed?" And I'm like, "Oh, I've got all these episodes from Friends of Film. Oh, what is that? What is that? Well, might as well check one of them out. And before you know it, they listen to all 190 episodes plus the specials plus the big questions. Which really, I wouldn't even recommend going back that far because. I can't say that all of our first several episodes are all that. Oh good. my gosh, they're probably pretty rough to listen to. I have not revisited. I will never. And I'm yeah. I'm okay. It's like it's like hmm, maybe I should like go back before nine, hear what I thought about seven right off the bat. It's like nope, I do not want to hear the very first <laughs> edition of this podcast. I don't want to hear it. I don't hear it myself. Uh, so it's just much better. Just keep moving forward, which we will do with our review of the farewell. But before we get to that, Josh, uh, in the lead up to Labor Day and this movie, is there anything else that you watched this week that you want the listeners to know about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, I mean, this is an old one, but it's kind of re-relevant. Okay. Um, but I watched The Dark Crystal. So this is my old right kind of return uh-huh. lead up to Netflix's new drop of The Dark Crystal, The Age of Resistance. Which is a prequel, That's correct? A prequel. I don't understand how it's a prequel just yet. Have you started watching the series? or It's a film. Oh, it's a film? Yes. Oh. I brought it up. Um, the, the OG is directed by Jim Henson and Frank uh-huh. Oz, and it's like puppet mastery at its finest. It is so creepy and eerie and like 
it's like full-on Dagobah for an entire film. It's like if Yoda had best friends living out in the swamp somewhere, this is what they're doing. Uh, but I, I totally dig it. Um, knew none of the voice cast at all. They're all old and British, and so I don't care, I guess. But it was a lot of fun. I love the world, and I am very excited to finally get around to the Age of Resistance when it comes around. Uh, isn't it around now? Yes, it's uh, available to stream at this very moment. Okay. Oh, and it is a series. It is. That's what I thought. I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, they have like a thousand cast members. There's no way all those people are fit into like one two-hour movie. All right. Well, then never mind The Age of Resistance. But I mean, you can still go the, see it if you oh, watch, if you like the movie. Yes, of course. But The Dark Crystal, A+. Okay. Um, I, this week, uh, finished up watching the Matrix movies. I mm. started that process, finished them up. They are, like you mentioned, even if you watch them, you know, and pay attention, they are, they do not make any sense. They are. The the sequels. The sequels, yes. Correct. Yeah, yeah. I, I've already seen the first one several times. So I was like, I want to go back, see two and three after we got the announcement of four. And yeah, they do not hold Your up very well. first viewing? No, I'd seen them before, but okay. I was just like, I remember thinking, oh, those are like decent. Mm-hmm. And now watching them, I'm like, oh no. Yeah. I just don't understand anything that's going on. The characters are dull. The story is so convoluted, but also... I just don't know what the point of anything is, and it's just like, oh, yeah, there's some cool action set pieces, but other than that, there's just not a lot really to offer. Um, but the movie I want to talk about here is actually a movie that was brought up on our big question uh, last week, uh, The Peanut Butter Falcon. Oh, yeah. I went and saw it uh, like a spur of the moment. I had to go take my mom somewhere, and it was like you know, 8.30, and I was like, eh, I mean, I'm already out. Is there any movie playing nearby? Because I was, I was right by our Regal Cinema, mm-hmm. and I checked, and there was a Peanut Butter Falcon showing starting in 10 minutes. And I was like, oh, perfect. I'll go check this out. It's an hour and a half long. It'll be a great way to kind of, you know, cool down at the end of the day. And this movie is so good. Like, I I cannot, like, praise this movie enough. Shia, like, this is the return of Shia that is just the guy I've, like, been missing and the mm-hmm. guy I've wanted to see for a long time because, like, he is, he he has that like aggressive nature to him still, but there's also this very loving side of him as he comforts this, um, this mentally handicapped kid who wants to just go on and become a wrestler. And it's like him and this kid get, you know, they, they cross paths and they go on this adventure to, uh, this wrestling camp that this that the that the guy is seeing in like VHS tapes that are uh-huh. really old because he just wants to go meet his idol like mm-hmm. the something something redneck like that's the guy's wrestler name <laughs> and it is just so sweet and it's really really funny dakota johnson is really good in it as well which is like a nice another great stuff for her career um but like if you if this movie's playing anywhere near you i cannot recommend it highly enough that it'll just sweep you off your feet um because it is just the most heartwarming entertaining just good time i think you'll have at the mm-hmm. movies this whole year like it is Excellent. It's, I believe it's in my top five. Awesome. The saltwater redneck. Yes. Is that right? <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Well, then I'm going to have to get on it then because it's, st- it's playing around here mm-hmm. and I definitely don't want to miss it. Yeah. No, it's it's fantastic. Um, And I, I'd even say it's my favorite film of the week uh, that we saw, even though The Farewell is out. It's a movie that mm-hmm. technically isn't the new the new release, but there's no. no other like new releases that are really coming out this weekend. And we finally have a chance to see the farewell now yes. um, for a very short amount of time, it seems like. So we jumped on that train and saw it. Josh, do you want to start off with yes. the farewell? Yes, of course I do. Uh, my love for Aquafina is highly documented. And I love A24 with like 
all of my heart. What no matter what they're putting out, I'm on board with it. Um, and so when I you know a twenty four dropped, I was stoked because okay. But the point is here, it's a lovely, terrific movie that doesn't go the way I was expecting it to. Um, with any part of it from beginning to end, I thought I knew the story, but that wasn't the story. Particularly the end, which was like heartwarming to like realize what it like you know how what, what the conclusion is but it is really sullen with just sprinkles of light you know moments all the way throughout as she tries as aquafina tries to like just grapple with the fact that her family has lied like you know just straight up like you know lying to their grandmother mm-hmm. but then you kind of realize as you go through it that all of these characters interacting are viewing it for some of the most selfless reasons you can kind of think of. And it just, it turns, it's conflicting and it turns the nature all on its head. And it's like a really low, you know, low grade, low fuse way to like introduce you to like a culture in a kind Mm -hmm. of, in a lot of ways where it's not, you're not being beaten over the head with it. You're, it's really just like a, this is how it is. And you need to come to terms with this uh, rather than, it sort of try to explain itself to you and it does that in like, you know, a myriad of ways from, you know, refusing to have any English, you know, throughout the movie or make that the, the mainstay Mm -hmm. versus, you know, subtitles and all sorts of things like that. And I mean, Aquafina just absolutely crushes it in the role, um, as uh, Billy. And so she's fan, she's phenomenal there. Um, and, her all of her interactions with her grandmother as the whole family comes in and there's there's some awkward stuff in there and all of that too with like the the fake wedding that they have going on you know to make sure that um the grandmother doesn't know kind of what's going on and she's played by Shu Shuzin Hao Zhao Chow um I want to say Zhao Zhao okay thank you but uh she is she she is she's the oldest character in this movie I think but she's electric and hilarious all the way through and her personality just like really shines out and um I thought it was terrific but it's just so there's there's an element to it that I haven't quite grasped I'm not sure if it's um maybe I needed it over explained mm-hmm. but there's some part of me that didn't really grab a hold of it and so with that though um kind of left in the dark but i'm gonna go four out of five ticket stubs okay when you when you say that can is there any way you can elaborate on that more of like you were like you needed more of like the the process or like like their their thinking explained or their thinking is explained and laid out really well but the everyone's motivations Mm -hmm. everyone else seems to have another motivation with it and you kind of want to know what those are, but you're really only just getting snippets of everybody's life other than Billy's. Mm-hmm. But even Billy's too, you're just like, wait, what is, what's Billy's deal in this whole thing? Other than she's trying to get some kind of fellowship and all of that, which mm-hmm. is not the subject of the film, I understand. But the everyone else's family around them has a motivation of some sort. I just really never grabbed a hold of it. But it is it is terrific. It's lovely. It's almost it's almost like a it's almost like an opera in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And um it embraces it embraces death and like, you know, dark emotion, uh, in like the lightest way possible. Or in a lighter way. Mm-hmm. Um, without, you know, being totally weighted down by it. Uh there's still lots of just there's there's some joy in there and some funny like, you know, family hijinks and things like that. But uh yeah, four out of five ticket stubs. Okay. I th- 
um, surprisingly, I'm a little higher on this, I guess, than you. I think that that, that criticism makes makes sense, but for me, I thought the farewell was just um, so. I just liked how it, so like transportative is that even a word? Transportive. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it was into this culture because you really get to experience this through Aquafina, um, who through her character Billy's eyes with her trying to come to terms with the fact that the family's not going to tell her grandma that she's dying of cancer. And you're just like, uh, what? Like that's a, like, like that is so foreign to, to me, obviously as an American, that's a, like an incredibly foreign concept. You want to just lie to a family member that they're dying. Yeah. Um, so then like Aquafina is also coming to terms with this. Um, but you're, so you're seeing this all through her eyes. Um, while also, Again, like you mentioned, like not getting like bogged down and like the, this can be like pretty like depressing, um, that like your, your grandma who you care deeply for is living out the last four days with no knowledge of this. Um, and so she's trying to like, you know, be there for her, but also like cherish these moments, but she can't lead on what's actually happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's that very tricky balance. I think Aquafina nails perfectly where like she has one monologue where she's just sitting on the floor talking to her mom and like, like is excellent in that moment um as she is throughout the whole film i also thought that speaking of her mom diana lynn who plays her mom was terrific and as you already sung the praises of nai the grandma uh she was i thought both of them really stood out as well um the direction by lulu wang fantastic um i'm really excited to see more of her in the future and like i even thought it has a really nice score to it uh which i wasn't really expecting but it's got a nice theme that just continues to play throughout um but it's also even though it's a movie that deals with you know death and acceptance of that um it it is not a dour movie it's very funny at parts where like i love the i don't even know what they're doing but when billy and nai nai are like doing their like thing in the streets yeah the where she's like screaming tai chi or i something guess kind of like that is so cute it is so funny and like aquafina is not taking it seriously at all and like it just there's very this very playful part of them but then like the surrounding of the story where it's like oh we have to like make out the fact there's a wedding so that way like, the whole family can be there mm-hmm. um like the <laughs> the cousin and his fiance now wife are so awkward because yes. they they don't speak Chinese um, and they're just so like lost in what's happening. There's like, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yep. Yep. Okay. <laughs> There's like smiling girl around for the light, a ride, but uh, I think it's a really sweet movie. The only thing that I think um, I was let down by was I didn't think that emotionally it hit me as hard as I was expecting it to um, because this is a movie that, you know, it seems like has been out for three years mm-hmm. <laughs> and we're just not getting to see it, but there's been all this praise and build up to how great it is, how moving, how charming, how everything about this movie just clicks. And maybe that's on me, I guess a little bit, not so much on the movie, but um, you know, I thought that I would be, I would get a little bit more emotional with the final, you know, with how, with how the finale of this movie plays out, because I have lost a grandma to, um, cancer before I have another who's currently diagnosed. So like, this is, um, a subject that's very relevant to me. And so I just expect him to get hit a little bit more emotionally and that didn't really happen. So I was like, ah, oh. I felt I, 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 it was weird, like loving this movie, but then at the end of it, leaving slightly disappointed that it didn't really, like emotionally wreck me. Yeah. Right. You weren't crying. <laughs> right. Now. So I'm going to give it four and a half ticket stubs uh, out of five. And I guess we can move into spoilers. I don't even know really what yeah. else there is to, to get into. There isn't other than the touching anecdote that, you know, after we fade to black, after, um, you know, Billy kind of like comes around herself in the end uh-huh. and just starts, you know, trying to like 
force out the bag toxins, you know, at the end of the film, uh, we find out that Nine Nine is still alive. Yeah. After even after six years of getting a um a terminal diagnosis of lung mm-hmm. cancer, which they call benign shadows. Yeah. <laughs> which is it's a good gag where everyone's just like, What the heck are benign shadows? Yeah, we like we don't know. <laughs> just what the doctor said. So we're going with it. Um but yeah, like that was that was so touching and, and like it for me it undercut things like a little bit. Okay. Uh particularly the end. Because it, but it's a sort of sort of like you know, you're getting beaten down and mm-hmm. there's like a little bit of relief. And so that's where like the the relief kind of like came and so it wasn't like it was like committed to everything. Um but it's based on you based on an actual lie or a true story. Right. <laughs> which um, I, I love that opening based on an actual lie. It's whole, like a whole theater great. laugh. Yeah. You know, it was, it was surprisingly full too. Really? A lot of grandparents oh. at two PM. Lucky for you. I saw it with like uh uh, there was maybe like, well, was there only one other couple? I can't remember. There was not a lot of people in my mm. theater. But yeah, um, with matinee showings. No movie about that does, grandkids guess. and grandparents. Right. <laughs> of course, it was locked through. Um, and it's PG, which I didn't even realize until I went to buy my ticket, and I was like, oh, nobody swore. No, I was expecting it to be like PG thirteen or something, like just because of that aspect alone. But then I was like, oh no, this is just like a really. Or maybe I'm thinking of Peanut Butter Falcon. No, Peanut Butter Falcon is definitely not PG. I was going to say, this, does, this has to be PG. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure Farewell is. on the IMDb is. right now, and you know what? I have no clue. Oh, I'm right. It is PG. You're correct. Very cool. Train of Thought Lost, but Nai is hilarious, though. I mean, like... I think like what which they get to they get to the house and she's like all she gets on um, Aquafina for being like not skinny right or like because like you know it's like a typical grandma thing is like oh you're you're too skinny you need to eat a sandwich and then she comes and she's like you're like your mom said you were skinny this isn't right. skinny what's what's your problem <laughs> she here? keeps like slapping her butt yeah she's like put your little butt down and stuff like that it was so the whole the whole family dynamic was so sweet um, but yeah I mean. Other than that, though, like you already mentioned, the the hilarious uh, hilarity of the awkwardness between um, the couple and things like that. They'd been dating for like a month or two uh, months or three, three months. Three months, and then they've yeah. been, like they're like, I love when they're like, you know, constructing their their family lie of like, mm-hmm. all right, well, it can't be three months because like you know that's that's too rushed. So we're gonna say they've been dating for six months. Like, why six? Let's make it a full year. Like, good point. <laughs> It's like this is just so like they don't even care. They're just gonna mm-hmm. lie for whatever it has to be. Jumping all the way back around. Uh, there is some good color in cinematography. I, mm-hmm. I mean, like this movie was in China, but you really don't get the sense that you're there a lot of the time. Other yeah. than like it's not like blaringly, um, you know, like Tokyo, Beijing kind right. of thing. You aren't like beat over the head with like, hey, China. Right. It wasn't like crazy rotations. We're like, look how spectacular all this, yeah. you know, can be. It's like, mm-hmm. oh yeah. I mean, it still made me want to go like visit China because like course. there's that one structure as they're talking about where Nai Nai used to live. Um, it's like that looks cool, but like you know, I just I I just like these kind of movies where you just see a different culture and it's like oh, right. I would love to go there. The food always looks good, even though I'm like I would I, probably not like dude any of that. I tell you what, no, I tell you what, I almost said I almost met before I came on the pod today. I was like, you know what, I'm gonna go get some lunch because I could not stop thinking about that. I'm like, I gotta find a place to get some. Food. Well, so like I, this, and then um, there's this Netflix series called Woo Assassins that dropped recently, mm-hmm. um, which is uh, another Asian, an, an all Asian cast, and so like they're always and one of the the brother and sister own a restaurant, so they're like always eating this stuff, and I'm like, this just all looks 
really good. I don't know what any of it is. And like, I don't even know of like, like a good, like Chinese place, like here in Fort Wayne. It's not like, you know, Panda or something. Oh my goodness. Dude, I don't I'll, even like Chinese really. I'll so. hook you up though. If you're looking for some place, maybe I'll start you with Panda. I just want to, I just want to know what those like big role looking things are. In short, I have no clue, but some of them were dumplings oh. and they're very good. Interesting. I'll tell you, I'll show you a good dumpling place. Okay. All right, we'll get on that. This, yeah, this just so made me hungry for all of that. Um, the, the kid's name who walked around playing on his phone the entire time, Bao Bao was a funny yeah. little gag. And then visiting the um, the grave of their father, like we're kind of like yeah. to circle back around and like got to like the lighter sides of like, you know, embracing that we're all going to die. Mm-hmm. They're just like, like uh, there's a part where they're lighting things on fire to like, you know, send to him. And one of the sons is like, or the ground nine, I says, no, no smoking. He quit smoking. He quit smoking a month before he died. <laughs> and he's like, he's dead. Let him smoke. And they're all throwing the things yeah. in there and everything like that. And it's just all of those things were like, were so heartfelt and touching. I yeah. Love that. Yeah. I love that. It, it reminded me a lot of um, just like that theme of like going and like seeing, your ancestors paying respects to them and all this stuff reminded me a lot of like Coco oh, and mm-hmm. um, you know, that whole theme around uh, that holiday. And it's just like, I feel like that's something that like in America is not super prevalent. It's like, Oh, let's go visit the graves. I just truly like remember them. It's just like, ah, they're gone. And we move on. Yeah. Which it, is, which is a, a, a very sad reality. And, and then beyond that though, too, it's like the, like, you know, nobody wants to talk about it. Everybody mm-hmm. just wants to like bury it and move yeah. on or not literally like, Literally, but like you know, no, yeah, yeah, figuratively, yeah, you know, just with like your emotions, yeah, force it down, don't talk about it, mm-hmm. keep going. And so, this kind of just is sort of like maybe you're doing it wrong, yeah. And like when you watch them all, just like I mean, I didn't, and you know, it's interesting. And I've, yes, <laughs> I'm, it's, I hate that we had to wait this long, but oh, yeah, absolutely, I, I appreciate it. I, I wish we could have saw it a little earlier, but you know, we saw it now. Hopefully, you guys have seen it as well. If you haven't, obviously, we are both very high on it, so you should go check it out because um, it's it's one of the better films of the whole year so far. So um, go check it out. Maybe an Oscar contender. We'll see if uh, what we think about that in our big question this week, where we'll discuss movies that we think could have a shot of being the Oscar race. Maybe the farewell will be mentioned. You'll have to wait and see on Wednesday. We'll be right back in a bit with the news. And we're back with the news. And as I was going to start with our three main topics this week, kicking off with the D23 Star Wars, the Rise of Skywalker footage that dropped officially on Monday. It's been a week now. We can finally talk about it because we recorded. Our recording schedule didn't allow it to do it any earlier. But now we've seen the footage. It's only like, what, 15 seconds of new footage for Star Wars 9? Uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's got some good stuff in it. Some, some ter- important stuff. Some terrific Some things. stuff that have... Led to a lot of theories already, <laughs> and I don't even care about that part of it. My, I am, I am living and breathing with two frames of just silhouetted freighters and ships, and, <laughs> and that is that is all I needed to see. That's all you care about. Um, but my, but my, my reaction, Cooper. Thank you for asking. Yes. Is this movie is definitely going to be nostalgia, epic, and like just you, that feeling when you see the Millennium Falcon 
in The Force Awakens, uh-huh. you're going to feel that this entire movie. Oh. That's my guess. Okay. That's my bet. I think I felt it watching that, so I'm definitely going to feel it the entire way through. <laughs> was that because you like you know, the first two minutes of this like reel was a highlight reel of the whole saga beforehand? Yeah, absolutely, and that's what they're going to try to do. That's absolutely what they're trying to do. It's it's seen in the double bladed lightsaber. Mm-hmm. It's seen in the ISDs silhouetted in by the thousands, probably the millions in that dark sky and then you see it right again in 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 the reverse angle in the daylight where you see b wings y wings all of og alliance you know make mm-hmm. and that's absolutely before the corvillian corvette comes right yeah. through the end as if not to finally say remember the first thing you ever saw remember how this all began and so yeah i and then there's epicness across the board but what what was your first reaction man uh well i get my first reaction to seeing it seeing because it. we obviously talked about or we alluded to in the big question last week that you know this footage was already premiered and the descriptions of it were online is basically impossible to um avoid except unless you were josh Straylin, you masterfully avoided all the the talk of what happened oh, and was shown lots and lots of spoilers um <laughs> but i mean yeah it was just great to finally see uh dark ray Darth Ray, I don't know what we're calling her officially, if she even has a name, if she's even a real thing, we don't even know. Um, but it was just very cool to see that because I feel like ever since 7, everybody's just been wanting to see Ray with a double blade lightsaber, but then also like the sub theory on that are like, wouldn't it be cool if she turned dark? And it's like, yeah, that would have been cool to happen in like 8. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if it happened in 9, I'll just be like, where are we going? <laughs> like that just doesn't make any sense. So it's like, I love just the visual aspect of it. Outside of well, how does this work into the story? Because I think that's a whole different can of worms to try to, to try to deal with. Right. Yeah, and then like it's 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 the misnomer of um, Ryan Johnson's Last Jedi second trailer. Mm-hmm. I I firmly believe. I don't know if we're gonna get into like theory talk. Sure. Here. Maybe that's Why a not? big. Maybe that's a big question. I don't know. I don't. We know already either. have a big question for this week. But oh, that's true. But um, like you know. It's the it's the what's going on? What's happening? Did when, you what was your first thought when you saw it? Uh Cave of Wonders, Cave of Dark Force. It's just visions. it's just a vision or yeah, a possible absolutely. future or something. Yeah, absolutely. I mean the textures of the room that she's in mm-hmm. kind of remind me of that that mirror, that cave, that that reflection that right. she was seeing. And so that's kind of where I left it because there's room there for Ray to have seen so much more. Yeah. And so past that or beyond that like we don't know the, cir- the circumstances mm-hmm. of this like if you see luke skywalker's head inside of darth vader yeah in the preview or the uh for a tra- or trailer for the empire strikes back you're like luke has an evil clone and he's darth <laughs> vader exactly that's that's your theory that's what you get to run with. was that in the trailer no it was I not in the trailer. So. um but i think like vader coming out of the cave is right one of the tv spots for Maybe. episode five don't quote me and so this just feels like that kind of thing i need context you need oh, yeah. context when ray's asking kylo in the handhold thing and mm-hmm. everything like that although that actually played out the way it was in the trailer just a question but after all of that um yeah so that's really, where i'm at i just i just can't buy that this is a, a vision because I, th- I i think that's the obvious choice and I don't think JJ does anything obvious mm-hmm. <laughs> and I don't think he markets anything obviously. And I also don't think that if you're Lucasfilm and you're Disney and you're anybody involved in this movie, you want to send out a piece of footage for this movie that is going to show a bunch of people that in some way 
a version of Ray will like embrace the, like the dark side because then if that doesn't happen and this is just a like this is the only part of the movie where she just like sees a vision like she takes her you know Swiss Army blade lightsaber and you know flips it down and she's ready and then she sees something else and like that's the whole dark ray section of the movie rightfully or not there's going to be a lot of people who are like you lied to us in this trailer and like made us think that dark ray is a huge part of this and they're going to be angry rightfully or not and I, I just don't think they would do that. And I think if you look back at like the very first teaser for the rise of Skywalker, it ends with the laugh of Palpatine. This one ends with Palpatine saying like your journey has come to an end. And then boom, dark Ray pops up. It's like, I don't think they would like emperor's coming back. I don't think they would then be like, Oh, by the way, here's dark Ray. Oh, ha 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 ha. She's not actually in this movie. Mm-hmm. It's just a vision. I just feel like that doesn't make, that's not good marketing. And you're like setting yourself up for fan backlash, which I think Lucasfilm's actively trying to avoid at this point. Nah, I don't think so at all. Like, it's literally one second. Yeah. And yeah, no, I mean, like, I mean, like, even beyond this, like, uh, you know, like some version, you know, and all you can talk about all that, like, you know, beyond all day. But we literally have no idea about the story. Mm-hmm. No one, we've not even heard a single character speak yet. Other than that, I think some people at D D twenty three have actually heard Ray say a couple of things now. I guess yeah, it's too dangerous mm-hmm. and something else. It's too dangerous. I have to go alone. Right. That that may be it. But like we still have no clue of plot here. Mm-hmm. Um, and past all of that, like active backlash. No. Uh, yeah, and that that's kind of where I'm landing. This is it's like it's it's a misdirection, but it's also a talking point. Yeah, absolutely. Because it can't like, I don't whether it's a vision or not. I, I, the one thing that I know for certain is, Ray is not going to the dark side. The Ray we've seen through seven and eight is not all of a sudden gonna be like, by the way, I'm a Sith. Mm-hmm. She's like, uh, what? <laughs> like, this is the final movie. <laughs> you can't just like have that switch happen and then switch her back. And you and if you're Disney and you're Lucasfilm, you're JJ. You're not gonna take your lead protagonist in the final film turn her bad to watch her die suddenly at a flip of a hat. And you're just like, well, what the heck? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and if they were, they're not going to show it in the trailer. <laughs> right. And like, you know, and like the fact that this is being shown should tell you all you need to know. Mm-hmm. Like if this was the secret of the movie, then it would not be in the marketing. Han Solo's yeah. death wasn't in the marketing. Well, Han Solo on the, I mean, you can argue it was in the way that the marketing <laughs> was, but in, and, and so this is, this is that like, you know, lay getting blasted out of the, um, the Radisson or the, the Radis, the Radis in the last Jedi mm-hmm. wasn't in the marketing. Yeah. And so, you know, like this is just sort of like a here, get hyped. Like the, we need to make sure we're the talking point from now till December. Mm-hmm. They've done that. Oh, absolutely. I mean, well, I guess really it's probably from now to like the first week of October, second week of October, whenever they drop the final trailer, mm-hmm. it's like, here's the, the story points that you've been you know wanting to see. Right. Um, but I still, I still just think that there's more to this than it's a vision and there's less to this than, well, she's, you know, uh, she's suddenly having to turn uh, of her of her will and she's going to the dark side will you will you, do you define vision as like apparition as well um yeah i mean anything that she would just like like if this is another like version of the cave 
the mirror wall that she like is in on in October and she's like, Oh, she touches something else. And then boom, she sees this, this vision of their dark ray or she, you know, a, a, a version of dark ray pops up and like starts talking to Ray and she's like, this could be you. Mm-hmm. If you, like you do certain things, you're like, wait, what? Like, I just think that they're like, that's not going to happen. Cause I just feel like that's too repetitive. We've, we've seen Ray have force visions. We've seen Ray, you know, do this stuff. We've seen Ray, like, we, and we've seen like these force visions before in Star Wars. I think it'd be better for nine to like do something unexpected. And JJ's been talking about how he's like, he saw eight and he was like, this is great. I wish I could direct it. I, Ryan's choices made me go in directions I wouldn't have gone normally. And maybe that means, you know, doing something with Ray that nobody else thought would, they would do. And that's, I don't think that force vision, dark Ray is like, ah, this is the, this is my sneaky JJ Abrams thing. Mm, yeah. We shall see. We will. Before we exit this, I, I've already told you this theory, but just so the listeners can hear my my crazy ramblings, mm-hmm. uh, which are now also posted on ScreenRant.com, um, I believe that Dark Ray is a clone in some form and that Ray herself is also a clone. So that's my working theory at this point for Star Wars 9. We'll have to wait and see if it comes to fruition or not. Um, but you know, we'll know in December. And I know you do not like it. I know other people don't like it. So uh, <laughs> if, just... if it comes true... Uh, oh, there it we're, is. we're about to have another, uh, you know, divisive Star Wars movie. It sounds like so. Um, is there anything else from the D twenty three footage that we're talking about? We basically concentrated on the fleets and then Dark Ray. Um, you know, Red Eye three PO, the Star Killer laser beam returning. It seems like maybe. Yeah, sort of, um, kinda. Um, I do want to point out, like the Imperial ISDs. If you run up the contrast or the exposure in those images, mm-hmm. you'll see uh, pixel red pixels along the edges. Um, those seem to correspond with th- the idea of a Sith fleet. Mm-hmm. The Sith troopers are red. The Sith troopers are red. Um, so we have those two matching things. If you've read the Aftermath uh, tr- duology, I think. Uh, trilogy? I want to say it's a trilogy now, at least. Chuck Wingdig, at least the first two of Chuck Wingdig's books, you'll know that the Emperor was stockpiling lots of things in the unknown regions for unknown reasons. Mm-hmm. So... All of that seems to be being bringing back around. Uh, 3PO is definitely on board the Falcon with Naomi Aki and John Boyega, or, well, Finn and uh, Naomi Aki's characters. Jana? Jana? Thank you. And so those are going to be connected. They're, like, lying away for the Emperor to return, I imagine. So that's what my feelings are. So he's not suddenly a Sith. <laughs> he's not suddenly a Sith. I've no. seen, I, I, I haven't, you know, dug into the canon this far yet. Even though I am making my way through Star Wars canon, slowly but surely, um... I've seen that in the comics, there's been a, a zero, zero, zero coding or something that you can put into droids and it turns them into like their military programming or something hmm. and they get red eyes. So that's the the theory that 3PO has been reprogrammed and is now going to go kick some butt. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's the important thing that 3PO says or does in this movie I, that's surprising. I, I, I guess so. <laughs> He's going to like swear or something. He's going to swear. I mean, He'll yeah. drop the first F-bomb in Star Wars history. <laughs> um, I'm not sure. Aftermath trilogy books, but yeah, I don't know. Um, I I, I do think it's interesting that the Star Killer yeah. tech is supposedly returning. What it looks like, um, how that's going to work, how that will come to play, I have no idea. I know there's concept art from or unused concept art from Seven, which I don't know if it was during JJ's development or before JJ um, got on board, where there were like star destroyers with miniaturized yeah. Death Star tech um, built into it. So maybe all, that whole fleet. That we see all 
all have you know the power of a, mm-hmm. a star killer mini- a miniature star killer inside of them they're just going by and blowing up planets left and right which uh would definitely raise the stakes yeah absolutely although i i tend to i tend to say that i don't think those things are active do you think they are they just seem to be you just think they're just out there floating stationary. i think they're just stationary well i think if even if they are i don't think that you introduced that he has this that palpatine has this entire fleet of star destroyers and it's like and we're not going to use them <laughs> well i mean like i mean they're are waiting for his return sure but i still think that they're going like they're going to come back. They're not just going to sit there in the unknown regions or, you know, be blown up one, you know, through like some chain reaction thing. Like, oh yeah, they're going to they're going to be part of the fact. They're part. They're going to be part of the fight. They'll be in. They'll be the fight will happen around them. They won't actually do anything. Yeah, they definitely won't do anything. Okay, we will have to wait and see on that. I guess. Uh, but let's move on to our second story, which uh, is a new Richard Linklater project coming out. Just uh, you know, getting the news of it just a couple weeks after "Where'd You Go, Bernadette" came and went in theaters. It seems like with no interest whatsoever from the general public. But now, instead of just doing another normal movie, Collider reports that Richard Linklater is going back to his boyhood-like style and doing a movie adaptation of the musical Mary We Roll Along that will take place and be shot over the course of the next 20 years. Uh, the movie will star Ben Platt and Beanie Feldstein uh, with uh, Platt playing a Broadway composer, Franklin Shepard, and Feldstein playing a theater critic who befriends uh, Franklin named Mary Flynn. Variety also added that Blake Jenner, who's worked with Linklater in the past on Everybody Wants Some. Great movie. I don't know if you've seen it yet, Josh. Mm-mm. Nope, still not. Okay. Um, but Blake Jenner is reuniting with Linklater for this project as well. So, uh, very ambitious project for Linklater. He's planning on there's still gonna be movies in 20 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. <laughs> or he'll be around, or like all of these things. Um, yeah, didn't like I don't even think I've seen a Richard Linklater movie. There's no you've seen other School of Rock. Sc- other than School of Rock, I think that's it. Yeah, that's that's literally it. Wow, no dazed and confused. No dazed and confused. No slacker. No, uh, no bad news bears or anything like that. I've not seen that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Wow. None of these. And you, things. and you haven't seen Boyhood. And I haven't so seen you haven't Boyhood. seen his his fourteen year movie. <laughs> right. I've not seen the concept at all played out. And I mean, like making one movie over the course of twenty years. Why do we celebrate this? This is lazy. <laughs> like, come on, man. Cast your actors and get going. I don't like. I honestly don't see the benefit, okay. other than like a niche thing. And so I'm just kind of rolling my eyes at it. It's just like an attention getting thing. You're gonna you're gonna wind up production for a month, maybe two of the year, and then go back and work on other things. Like, come on, you talk about the OCD or the you know ADD generation today, Richard Linklater. Come on, but like, I love Ben Platt though. Right, I love Beanie Feldstein. Uh, and so am I gonna like? No love for Blake Jenner, I guess. <laughs> I just don't know. I know, him. I know, I know, I know. Um, I've, I need to get to American Animals too, but that's a good movie. I just like, okay, cool, rich. You know, let me you know when you, you make. <laughs> when, let me know when you make like a good movie again. Oh snap! I don't know. I don't. Okay. Um, Tell well, me you you feel first of you all. You seem to love the dude. I. I, I do like Linklater quite. I not have not seen Where'd You Go, Burnett, so I can't speak to the quality of that movie. Um, but I did think Boyhood was like very impressive, based on just the fact that it did take him 14 years to make. And I think the appeal of that is not only to see like this this child literally 
go through his entire boyhood and like become a teenager and you know a young adult basically um and have the same actor play this and come back to the role over the course of 14 years but also like to see like ethan hawk and patricia arquette like age and mature along with him like i think that's just a really interesting concept and to see like to know that in you know 20 years from now we're gonna see a movie where beanie feldstein plays like her 20 something selves mm-hmm. and her 40 something self okay yeah <laughs> that's good like that's just so wild um and i love the fact that it's a musical because it is it means we're getting back to that school of rock kind of link later but also we're doing it with ben platt and beanie feldstein which i don't know if beanie feldstein has secret musical talents i'm not i'm sure she probably does um uh, but i know ben platt can you know bring the bring the house down um mm-hmm. he was great on pitch perfect he just did a, some broadway thing and yeah. he's um, dear evan hansen which you would love the soundtrack of. i'm sure i, I would highly recommend okay you go to it. um and then he's gonna he's going to be in some new uh netflix uh series the the politician um yes which which he's the star of that so um he's blowing up i'm happy to see him get this like this leading role in a link later movie and to see again like how this whole thing goes goes on I, the question is i guess like in 20 years from now, <laughs> like the movie industry, we're already seeing how like quickly it's changing with mm-hmm. the, the, the increase in streaming services and like the, the lower attendance. It seems like it, at cinemas, unless you're a big blockbuster, it's like, what future does this movie have other than like landing on like Hulu or uh, HBO Max or yeah. Apple TV or Apple Plus, I guess is what it's called. Like. It- there's no way this movie hits theaters, right? I don't think Barring, so. Barring like streaming collapsing and blockbusters collapsing. Everybody's like, no, we're, we're all of a sudden the, the American public is just like, nope, we're only supporting mid mud, mid budget movies. That's it. I think you're right. Like, I mean, like, I, it, yeah, like it's hard to know what we're going to be doing in 20 years, but like the movie will come out of, mm-hmm. of course. Right, as long as you know the Earth is still round, yeah, and everything. Uh, yeah. yeah, we haven't all vanished into the ocean, <laughs> et cetera, et cetera. Um, but like, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Jeez, uh, uh, like, yeah, it'll be fun to see it on wherever it is, right. you know. Like, but I want to know the sense of scale here. Like, how big is this production too, and like all of these things? Because like you know, the mid house, merrily we roll along. Okay, whatever. Not like the most popular musical ever. I've never, I've never heard of it, so I don't uh, really know. I mean, I vaguely know the story just from reading the Collider, you know, uh, report. But like other than that, I don't know anything about, you know, its music, what style it's in, mm-hmm. uh, what the tone is, or anything. I mean, I'm sure with Liam Linklater, he'll bring his usual, you know, comedic sensibilities to it, but also have the drama as well. Yeah, um, it's Sondheim, so it's really sung through. And- okay that way but um yeah we will see we will um as we will see a bunch of movies this fall and it just so happens that right now uh the telluride film festival is going on and tiff's right around the corner um fantastic Vet, fest Venet, uh yeah fantastic fest. there's a whole bunch of film festivals starting up right now um and ongoing and because of that there's a bunch of people who are much more privileged and lucky than me and josh are to go to these festivals and i don't even know like I don't know the the, the thought of pros. the thought of going to one of these and like seeing four or five movies a day for seven to ten days straight like that sounds a cool but like something I would probably want to do like uh-huh. once and like that's it um, but because of all these festivals there have been 
early reactions or the reviews to a lot of um, anticipated fall movies. Some we mentioned on our big question last week about the fall 2019 movies we're most anticipating, um, including Ad Astra, which was one that uh, made it very high um, on our consensus list. And the first reactions to those are in the first reactions to Ford v. Ferrari, Joker, Waves, Laundromat, Motherless Brooklyn, Marriage Story, Uncut Gems, Judy, and a whole bunch more have been uh, flooding in over the last couple of days here. And since we're not there, we figured let's just talk about the ones that are kind of staying out to us so far. Um, is there any of that lineup that you're just most impressed with? Yeah. First of all, Ad Astra called it. Like, I mean, like, like, I think I said as soon as the first trailer dropped, I don't have my tweet, okay? But I think I do have it on the pod, set on the pod, that the worse a trailer is when it comes out for a sci-fi film that's, you know, got some talent and um, some weight behind it, mm-hmm. it's not just like a one-off or anything like that, is going to be good. Ad Astra is that movie. And it's getting phenomenal reviews from critics who I enjoy and like and the thing is even if a, even if a sci-fi movie of this caliber gets like middling ratings the odds are i'm going to love it mm-hmm. because that like that that's my style that's what i'm that's what i'm after that's what i'm chasing um and like i mean i could probably like quote people you know from like uh reviews and things like that like david elric from IndieWire, um and but like it seems like it's a it's a daddy issue movie, but also like you know, moves at some themes about masculinity and all things like that. So those are like those under kind of current things. So maybe like a, a male version of like Arrival in some ways, and which I would love right. to have at it. Um, to testosterone field in some parts of it, I suppose. But uh, yeah, I am I am so ready for this. But also like the praise for Brad Pitt out of it is what I'm most happy for because I don't think we've had a Brad Pitt movie at all on this podcast like where he starred in it where he starred in the movie huh yeah yeah maybe right i'm trying to think of like the last thing i can remember him starring in is we allied that, yeah that we skipped the allied movie and that's about all and, i mean yeah he's definitely i don't know i guess there's still the argument of what is he a co-lead is he supporting whatever he is in once more time in hollywood but mm-hmm. um but beyond that like we're gonna get like a we're gonna get a brad pitt focused movie and finally sing his praises. And finally, like, probably Hopefully. sing his praises. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I'm, I'm not tailoring my opinions on the on these reviews here. They've already been, like, preformed, but I'm ready to see it for myself. And so Ad Astra is definitely, like, the first one off that list that I'm, like, really hyped about. Mm-hmm. Uh, how about you? Um, well, the one that was some of the first reactions I saw based on, it looked like it was one of the first screenings to come out of Telluride, um, and also was one of my most anticipated movies of the fall, is Ford v. Ferrari, um, which is getting just praise all across the board for James Mangold, for Bale and Damon, for everything. Um, One tweet from Matt Neglia at the Next Best Picture, he said, uh, Ford v. Ferrari is a solid, roaring, muscle-fueled film with James Mangold about setting aside ego and pushing each other beyond our limits. Long but entertaining. Bale has the uh, flashier role than Damon, but both turn in strong work. So um, he mentioned that, you know, the Oscar prospects are, picture director editing a whole bunch of other things and the the reviews across the board have just been incredibly high and that's very comforting because you know i wasn't worried this movie was going to disappoint but i'm just happy to see that like a movie that i was so excited for already is just like yeah no it's really good you're gonna like it yeah absolutely. <laughs> hopefully uh, and, and so looks that and i'm so glad to hear that too it's one of those fox movies too mm-hmm. and so like 
we really want those to be good. Right. So they keep getting made. <laughs> Ad Astra, like a part of that thing too. Uh, but I'm so glad to hear that. Although that trailer didn't really give me many doubts. Right. Like any work I conceptualize yeah, that, that. That first trailer still, every time I see it, I'm like, oh man, this thing is just, mm-hmm. it just looks so good. And it's got John Bernthal in it as well. And there is just, there's this unspoken rule in Hollywood. It seems like if you would cast John Bernthal in a supporting role, your movie's going to be really good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, just go look at his filmography for the last, like, five years, and you're like, oh, oh, oh okay, yeah, Wind River. He was, just, he, That's right. he, he was also in Peanut Butter Falcon, which I did not know, and I'm like, oh, of course. <laughs> no wonder this movie's so That's good. John Bernthal's in there. Um, he had just he just keeps lining up and knocking out these supporting roles, and each time, like, yes, just more John Bernthal. <laughs> so uh, it's, it's just great stuff. Um, the one movie that I was not, like – anticipated and it wasn't even on my radar really but has got a lot of attention is this movie um called waves which is from the director of it comes at night yeah which i didn't even realize was coming out this year but from everything i've seen reaction wise is like this maybe the standout of the whole festival so far so that's a movie that for me just as an outsider looking in on this festival is like oh this is one that i'm like okay it is now my radar I'm adding it to like my watch list. Like I need to make sure I'm paying attention. Cause it looks like this sounds like the performances are knocked out of the park. Um, Sterling K and uh, the mini Matt Damon. The mini Matt Damon. Lucas Hedges. Lucas Hedges. Yes. In there. Yeah. Clifton uh, Collins. Um, there's, there's a, there's a whole cast that um, has got some really, really uh, strong where I'm trying to find a couple reactions here real quick, but um, it just is, it's again, it's one of those movies. I was like, Oh, I was, not I didn't I didn't know that this movie was coming out and now all of a sudden it's maybe an Oscar contender. It's I have not read any reactions on it, but it's a musical, right? Um, because so, Trent Reznor is like the the score writer. Um, I'm not sure if it's a musical or not. Again, from Matt Negley, he said Waves is an absolute knockout from Trey Edward Schultz, who has ascended to a whole other a whole new level as a filmmaker and storyteller. Powerhouse performances from the entire cast, one of the greatest explorations of humanity and toxic masculinity impact on broken homes and lives I've ever seen. So oh, wow. uh, it sounds like it's got the material, the the direction, the performances, everything you could want. So um, th- yeah, that's one that for me like shot up. My, oh, this would definitely be my revised most anticipated for the fall list now interesting well then i'm i'm definitely stoked for that it sounds like it but it sounds like it's not as um like vague from him no it sounds and, it sounds like it's more like a straightforward narrative right because it comes at night and it follows it's just sort of like he didn't do it come to falls oh, who does it follow um uh yeah, it's not here nor there i don't yeah. care <laughs> but anyway <laughs> moving on yeah absolutely um but then i'm gonna come around to marriage story obviously we talked about how like hype we are for this last week mm-hmm. um, and going forward to the year, but getting the first reactions right after those trailers drops, like Netflix is slate just, you know, tumbled out. We all have reactions for all of those two popes and everything beyond it. But um, Sean Fennessy gave me the only review I needed. And I guess was probably going to be the case regardless, but a, a bruising movie with three unforgettable scenes, Adam driver gives them maybe the, the best Guts out, all eyes on me, best after performance I've seen since DDL and Phantom Thread. Whoa. And the thing, did we give Daniel I mean, Lewis the Oscar for Phantom Thread? I uh, do not believe so. No, we ended up giving it to that little, no, that wasn't the year we gave it to the guy from the, the uh, Casey Affleck guy. 
Who do we give it to that year? Um, we being the Academy, right? Which <laughs> we, which we, we are, are a definitely of. a part of. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I, I'm not sure who who won it over Daniel. It would have been well, that would have been last year's Oscars, right? Yes. Hmm. Best I'm, actor last year. I'm looking. Not Mahershala Ali. That's not going to do me what I want. Oh, Rami Malek. No, before that. Uh, no, it may have been Rami. Uh, let's see. Best performance by a leading actor. Oh, it was Oldman for Darkest Hour. That's right. Who was great, but like, yeah. That that the. I mean, personally, at that whole year, I probably would have given it to like Kaluuya for Get Out. <laughs> Definitely. Forgot that that was the same year. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, Mary's Story sounds great. I the I I don't know if there's any other ones I really need to get into other than it sounds like Judy is more of a. It's for Renee Zellweger. She's great, but the movie as itself, not so much. Uncut Gems, same thing for Adam Sandler. Um, but it sounds like the the Daffy Brothers um, don't necessarily land it as well as they did with Good Time. Laundromat, seen some pretty good things on that, which I'm excited about. And uh, Joker, there's been really nothing but praises, it seems like, um, which is <laughs> fascinating to see that we're going to live in a world where Joker's an Oscar contender, it looks like. So, uh We'll have to wait and see what the critical consensus becomes because, again, out of these festivals so far, there's only been like 20-some-odd people that have seen these movies. So yeah. there's still a lot more to come, a lot more reactions, a lot of different perspectives. Um, so I'm looking forward to seeing how all that comes together. But let's move on to Ticket or Skip It here um, as we have some new trailers to talk about. The second trailer for Lucy in the Sky, the first trailer for Laundromat, the first trailer for The King, the final trailer for Joker, the first trailer for The Aeronauts, and the third trailer for Terminator Dark Fate. Josh, which one of these trailers gets your ticket this week? I guess I'm going to give it to the Joker. Okay. Because it's the only trailer that like affected my view of the movie. Hmm. In a way. Okay. And it's the Antarctica and it's the like Antarctica Anarchy. Anarchical mm-hmm. nature of it. The the movement quality, the like the 99% attitude or whatever percentage it'll like work out in the wash of like, it almost seems to be a movie about the character of the Joker and the, uh, like iconicism, like that's around him. Like I said, the celebration of him, but in like a really dark and demented way. Yeah. Because I mean, first of all, Joaquin Phoenix looks like he's Joaquin Phoenix looks like he's crushing it. Mm -hmm. Like just acting all the way through from the beginning of him, just playing with a baby on a trailer to him going, full lunatic mm-hmm. near the end and that hooked me but the the parts in between the newscasts and all of those things around the edges of what the movie looks like it's going to become um set looks like right in the vietnam era too is gonna be a little nuts and so whatever they play out with this um i'm i'm really interested i uh, force myself not to read the the uh learn about the movie the screenplay <laughs> and all that jazz and so now i'm just really interested to see where this goes and what is the commentary on and what todd phillips is what they've turned this thing into yeah i, mean, I want to feel it i i think the again as i kind of talked about in our big quest last week um the conversation around jokers i think what i'm most looking forward to more than anything even though i'll probably be more of a spectator through the whole thing not so much uh <laughs> get involved myself because it just it seems to me that it could be a little problematic and we'll see how, it, how it's executed so far those concerns have not really been you know 
talked about and the reactions I've seen so far. I haven't dug into full reviews on this movie, but um, I'm just very interested to see how this whole thing um, comes out in, in a month. But the movie I'm going to give my ticket to is I'm, I'm kind of the same boat with you. With like, it sounds like none of these trailers really wowed you mm-hmm. or really impressed you. But the one that at least caught my eye was Laundromat because I was like, this just looks like fun Soderbergh. And I'm here for that. It looks like Antonio Banderas and Gary Oldman are just having like a blast as these untrustworthy businessmen, casino owners. Is that what they are? They're yeah, they're they're, they're lawyers, I think. Lawyers, okay, yeah. And then Meryl Streep uh, bringing in like you know her Detective Meryl stuff from Big Little Lies season two. She's going in uh, more sleuthing on her part, and like it just looks, it looks fun. It looks energetic. It looks just like the Ocean's style Soderbergh that I really love, and. If we can get that mixed with the informant, which it has the same writer, um, mm-hmm. then I think this is going to be. I don't know if it's going to be the one of the best movies of the year, but it's going to be one that I think I really enjoy. Yeah, so. it looks like the big short in a little bit of ways, mm-hmm. where it's satire, but also the like timeout. Let's laugh <laughs> about some things that like are evil deeds that we're doing, and then like there's the part where they're like, "We have no freaking clue where your money is." Like, oh boy. They're, this is going to go full bore. And right. so that's going to be really interesting to see play out. It looks hilarious, too. She's playing like a crazy lady. Meryl Streep's like kind of like going crazy a little bit. Mm-hmm. And she's like talking fourth wall, but she's doing it to like some random shopper. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's like, please, please get away from me. It's funny you mentioned uh, Big Short because one of the reactions from uh, Venice so far uh, is from Chris Tapley. And he said, uh, the laundromat is a little informant, a little Big Short, a little of... Holy bleep, what are we even doing? <laughs> Meryl adds another notch. She's so good. Um, it's fantastically dense. So uh, it's, uh, it's I'm hoping I'm hoping all that stuff is true and that you know, this is another, it's a return to the Soderbergh that I love, not the, I'm going to shoot movies on iPhones because I can. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> oh, man. I hope he does something well with this because I want him to succeed in the Netflix format. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's, it sounds like he'll at least do that. I mean, I don't know if they're, planning any awards push because it seems like oddly enough netflix has a lot of awards contenders on their hands all of a sudden um but we'll have to wait and see i guess how the actual reactions to it how the consensus goes um as we move into the flyby here to wrap up this episode variety dropped the news this week that himesh patel has joined the cast of christopher nolan's movie tenet uh he most recently starred in uh yesterday this summer um and he'll be in the aeronauts which just had a trailer for so um it's a surprise casting i don't know who he's playing, if he's been attached this whole time, but uh, good for him. Villain, maybe? Maybe. Usually, who do you usually cast late in your movie like this? I don't know. Unless it's not, like, I guess there's always that chance that he was cast a long time ago and he's been filming and now it's just now coming to... Like, Someone finally had the idea to ask. Right. Like, hey, by the way, is there anybody else in this cast besides, like, the four people we know about? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Mesh Patel. What? Right. <laughs> okay. He's suddenly, like, irrelevant and ironic, which yeah. is good because... I and totally enjoyed him. He totally got it. Mm-hmm. Um, we also got reports, uh, a new update on the Suicide Squad 2 as some uh, of James Gunn's friends joined the project with Taika Waititi and Nathan Fillion, both taking on unknown roles. I don't know who either of these guys could play. It would be hilarious if both of them are like entry-level you know, Task Force X members, just like super obscure combo characters that just mm-hmm. die like seconds into the first mission. That'd be super funny. Um, oh, like. Gosh. Taika can't have a large role because he's doing that rugby movie or whatever. Um, you know, he's got Jojo Rabbit to promote, and then he's got to prep for Thor four. Like he he can't have a large role in this. So it's like, <laughs> I just excited to see him. The and the the divide of Marvel vs DC is just 
being destroyed yeah. in one single movie, which is M- hilarious. Melting away. But like, yeah, like even if it's just like one day of work of him improving like one scene character, like mm-hmm. it'll be perfect. I yeah. love it. It's it'll be the James Gunn Taika collaboration we've always wanted. I, I cannot wait for that. So uh, we also got another, I think, really good pairing as Variety Reveal that Dylan O'Brien will co-star in Antoine Fuqua's um, movie Infinite, which will also star Mark Wahlberg and Sophie Cookson. So I think this is great news because like Dylan O'Brien is kind of like a young Wahlberg in a sense where like I could see him having the Mark Wahlberg career eventually. Uh, where he's just in all these big action movies and he's always kind of playing the same guy, but hopefully Dylan can like stretch himself a little bit you know, broader than Mark has gone so far, but mm-hmm. I'm just got to see him work, like get this next move um, and team up with a talented director and a talented cast. Yeah, I don't know anything about the Infinite movie. Is that I the, don't either. So it's the one I believe that Chris Evans was supposed to do, and then Chris Evans dropped right. out, and then sci-fi Mark took over. I believe thriller. so. Sci-fi action thriller or something. Yeah. Okay, I'm down for that idea. Mark Wahlberg is Mark Wahlberg. Dylan O'Brien. He'll, he'll be a Bostonian somehow. <laughs> can be better than Mark Wahlberg in some kind of way. Yeah, I just hope he finds like the medium for it. So, like his own John Wick. But he's not going to yes. get that with a movie with Mark Wahlberg. But hopefully right. it's a launching point. Yeah, I mean, American Assassin was probably supposed to be his John Wick. And then, mm-hmm. like, no. He was Go good on. in that movie, but the movie, not so much. No. Um, and lastly, here we have a bunch of new castings for the Mortal Kombat movie with the Hollywood Reporter revealing that Jessica McName will play Sonya Blade, Josh Lawson will play Kano, and Louis Tan will play an unknown character, while Variety added that uh, Chin Han will play Shang Sun and Hiroki Sanada will play Scorpion. So, um, some big Mortal Kombat characters joining the cast of the movie. Great. The cast, uh, the ones that I'm familiar with, I like. So. This is just a, another like addition to the, okay, this movie is shaping up to be interesting. There's no like bona fide movie stars so far, and they're really just going on this name brand R-rated, staying true to the Mortal Kombat formula type approach, I guess. Yeah, Scorpion is a character I know. He has knives and throws things at people. That's pretty cool. Um, other than that, you know, cool. Yeah. I have just mean like, we don't know anything about Mortal Kombat. I know. It's Sorry. hard to... If we have a Mortal Kombat fanatic out there listening, uh, hit us up and we'll like get you to do some big Mortal Kombat explainer. I hope it's good. You know, I hope I care Absolutely. about Mortal Kombat after this. The The biggest concern I have with the movie is that it's a first-time writer, first-time director, um, but it's got James Wan producing, so I'm hoping that like, Wan is just super hands-on and be like, guys, here's how to do it. Here's how to shoot all the action. Here's how to do this, this, and this, and it'll be good. So um, that is all we have for this week. Next week, I'm not sure what. Oh, I know what we're reviewing now. I was like, well, what are we doing next week? It is It Chapter 2. So we'll discuss the latest edition of the Loser Club's adventure. Um, So hopefully that's going to be really good. The reactions and reviews have been positive so far. So um, hopefully that stays true for both of us. I know we're both looking forward to it, even though your hype is dead, (laughs) as you said. it's, it's, It's here. It's been upon me. Bill Hader is in this movie. I love Bill Hader so much. Mm -hmm. Go watch Barry. Go listen to Bill Hader on all the podcasts. Return to SNL in the glory days. Go watch Hot Rod. Oh, he's so good. I love Hot Rod. Go watch Inside Out. Great Inside Inside Out. Out. Fantastic Bill Hader. Go watch his cameo in Wreck-It Ralph 2. Ralph Breaks the Internet. Builder Bill Hader performances. Uh, it Chapter Two. Yeah, he will be in that one. We can't wait. Go to see, see that it. one. Let's see it. I love horror. Uh, we'll also be back this week with a big question discussing the 2019 movies we've seen so far and which ones we think 
could be Oscar contenders. So uh, let us know what you guys think about that uh, category, uh, that discussion. And you can do so by tweeting us at Friends of Film on Twitter. And you can follow me personally on there at Movie Cooper. And you can get at me, Josh, at just Joshua Ryan. And if you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, share, retweet, and more. Plus, head over to iTunes to give us a five-star review with comments. Thanks for why you enjoy listening to the show. And thanks again for tuning in to the Friends of Film podcast. Josh, thank you for stopping in, everyone. And be sure to turn next week for our future episodes. Oh,